I'm looking forward to the Santata next Sunday morning. I'm looking forward to the blessings of the Lord these last two Sundays as well as tonight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we'll find the beginning of our text. We will be reading three verses of Scripture here, four verses in the New Testament, and then we will go back to the Old Testament in the book of First Chronicles. But tonight I'd like to be speaking on the subject of Are You Willing? Are You Willing? That's our title tonight. Oftentimes people hide behind the little statement, the Lord willing, the Lord willing, when in reality they should say, I am not willing. I mean, when it comes to the Lord willing and me willing, there might be a conflict between what the Lord wills and what I will. The key of success is not if the Lord is willing, but the key of success is if we are willing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11 and 12, Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Every man, as he, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful, or literally a willing giver. Now turn back to the book of First Chronicles. The book of Chronicles is a very encouraging book. There's very little written in the Chronicles that is not from a positive standpoint. I mean, it is more positive than First and Second uh, Kings, and uh, or some of the others that it is recorded in also. But in First Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, this chapter tells us how and why God blessed David. And, of course, David was blessed. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 28. Referring to David, he died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon his son reigned in his stead. Would you not want these same five things that David had? David had long life, which means that in that 
statement, good, good old age, he had satisfaction, which means his days were full, full of days. He had riches, he had honor, and he had a son to follow in his work. Now, I believe that everyone here tonight would, would have to admit that God blessed David. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, as we study the story of David tonight, how that you blessed him, even though he made many mistakes, yet, Lord, he did not remain in his mistakes, but he turned from them, he turned to thee, and he lived for thee. He was conscious of your blessings upon his life. And as a result, you gave him many years. You gave his days that were full of accomplishment and satisfaction. You gave him riches and wealth and honor. You gave him a son that would follow in his footsteps. And what a king he became. And Father, we ask in a spiritual way that you would help us to be challenged to have your blessings upon our lives. Guide us tonight and help us to understand the heart and center of the blessings of the Lord tonight are found in the willing heart. Bless us tonight. If there are those not saved, may they come to know Christ as their Savior to make heaven their eternal home. Lord, bless this service tonight and each one that listens for Jesus' sake. Amen. The question tonight is not a matter of are you willing. If you are not saved, do not accept the... I read in the paper the other day that it was a Philippine custom to be fatalistic. Fatalistic means that, well, whatever is going to happen to me is going to happen. I can't do anything about it. Now, that is not necessarily a Philippine custom. That is a, that is a, a thought that is perpetrated by the Roman Catholic Church that God is God and you are you and nothing is going to change. If you're going to go to hell, you're going to go to hell. If you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go to heaven. And you cannot do anything about it. And this is why that this statement, the Lord willing, becomes so out of context of the scripture. Because to all the unsaved people, the scripture says the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, people are going to perish, and God is not willing that they will perish, but they will perish unless they repent of their sin. Now, God is not willing to not bless 
any individual. God wants to bless every one of his children. But you see, it's not God's God's, uh, job just to be willing, and that's the way it's going to be. No, my friend, when God created man, God created him with a free will of his own. He has the choice. He has the opportunity to choose good. He can choose evil. He can choose right. He can choose wrong. He can choose light. He can choose dark. He can choose whatever he wants. He is a free moral agent. But you see, God is still God. God is a God of law. And God says what is going to be depending on what you choose, which way you go. God said, I set before you the way of life. I set before you the way of death. And then he says, turn ye, turn ye, why will you die? In other words, God in all of his power still gives every individual. He does not just give the father and the mother, but he gives every individual the will to choose the way you should go. Certainly we need help, we need guidance, we need strength. All of those can come from the Lord. But the will must be in the heart of each one of us. It is of no value to say, the Lord's will be done, and then you walk the way you want to walk, though it is contrary to the word of God. If you want God to bless you, then you must be willing. And that's what it is going to take. You see, 500 years before First Chronicles chapter 28, if you hold your place in First Chronicles chapter 28, 29 I should say, in Exodus chapter 35, verse 5, Moses said, 500 years before. Exodus 35, 5. Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass. Now, They were going to have a particular situation there. They were going to build the tabernacle. And Moses told the children of God. Now back in 1 Chronicles and chapter 29. I'm sorry, chapter, uh, chapter 28. I was right in the first place. 1 Chronicles chapter 28 verse 9. And thou Solomon my son... Know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For 
For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understanding all the imaginations of the thoughts. In other words, of the mind. God searches. God understands. God knows what is in your heart. You cannot deceive God. You cannot fool God. You can make nonsense with people, but you cannot make nonsense with God. You can tell people stories and they might believe you, but you cannot tell God stories that are not true. You cannot tell God something that you are going to do that you are willing to do when in your heart you are not willing to do because God knows the heart. That's what David said to his son, said, serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind because God knows what's in the heart and God knows what's in the mind. And this is why that he, he told him uh, what to do. You cannot separate God's blessings from your giving. You cannot separate God's blessings from your giving. It's a principle with God. It is a principle. It's a foundational truth. It does not matter what the circumstances are. It does not matter who you are, where you are. It just does not matter because the principle of God is that God blesses people that have a willing heart. A willing heart. A willing heart that is followed up with the performance. Now, so many people, they've got the idea that if they just talk about being willing, they say, oh, I want to do this. Or faith promise comes along and they promise to give so much a week and they don't even give but once or twice in the whole year. Well, now God knew they were not going to do it and so did the people. You say, oh, but I really intended to do it. Well, you're just daydreaming. You're just fantasizing. You're not facing reality. Because when you have a willing heart, you begin to make a way. Because where there is a will, there is a way. And people who are always promising to do this, but they never fulfill it. They volunteer to do this, and three weeks later, why, they're no longer to be found. This is the story of their life. The problem is down in the heart. It's not out in the circumstances among their work place and their family and their school, but the problem is right down in the heart. I remember Brother Beecham Vick, the president of our Bible school back in 1950, when our Baptist Bible College started there in Springfield, Missouri. I had the privilege of attending that first year. Brother Vick, he always got up and he said, you know, being on time being on time is not a problem of the clock. It's a problem of the heart. And that's always stuck with me. It's a problem of the heart. 
very few times when a young man has a date with a young lady, will he be late. Usually he will be early. He'll be early. If we have a boxing match over here at the CYO gym, boxing match may not start until 9 o'clock, but all the boxing fans are already there at 6 o'clock. Get a good seat. See all the preliminaries. It's not the matter of the watch, it's, it's the matter of the heart. Giving. Giving is not, is not a matter of the pocketbook. It's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the bills that are piling up. It's a matter of the heart. So we find that you cannot separate God's blessings from your giving. It is a principle with God. Give and it shall be given unto you. Your giving goes before. And certainly we know, we all understand that we receive first and then we give our tithe. So the matter of giving and the matter of being willing is not just dealing with the matter of tithing and that, but it is a matter of a willing heart. Now in First Chronicles chapter 29 verse 2, in order to, to look at the whole, the whole picture, we find that in verse 1, first of all, that David said, the work is great. The work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. In other words, we're here not for just material things, but we're here for the work of the Lord. Now in verse 2, uh, this is why God blessed David. is because he was practical and he had things in order. He said, I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. Then he names gold, silver, brass, iron, wood, and these stones, all different kinds of stones. Now this material, gold in the Old Testament, was a picture of deity. Silver is a picture of redemption. Brass was a picture of judgment. Iron is a picture of strength. Wood was a picture of the humanity of Christ. Stones referred to the glory. We should not try to separate our giving from material things. In other words, when you are going to be giving, it means some material things. The second thing about David is found in verse 5, 6, and 9, is that not only did he give, but the Bible said that he willingly gave. In the middle of the verse, verse 5, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. Who is willing? A willing heart. 
you'd be surprised that there are multitudes of people that are not willing to part with the peso. They're not willing to part with what they have worked for. They take the position that I've worked for this. I, I, I got this. This is mine. I'm going to keep it. And yet, David was blessed because he said he had a willing heart. Look at verse 6. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of the thousands of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly. There were the leaders that were offering willingly. My friend, many churches are in financial difficulty because the leaders are not willing givers. Sometimes it even gets behind the pulpit that the pastor, he preaches on tithing, but he does not tithe. The pastor will preach on giving, but he does not give. He says, well, you know, I am I'm the preacher. I, I'm supposed to receive. He does not understand, perhaps, that in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, one of those books, it taught that the Levites were also to tithe. Those who received of the tithes and offering, they too were to give their tithe and offering. Every individual should give willingly. They gave. And then in verse 9, Then the people rejoiced. After David the king, then all of them in their different branches and their organizational setup, they gave. And because of that, verse 9, Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly unto the Lord. Not only did David, not only did the rulers, but the people, the great, the small, the old, the young, those who had much, those who had little, they offered what they had willingly. Certainly, the shepherd could not give what the king gave. God did not intend for him to. But God intended that the king and the shepherd both will have the same willing heart and they would respond in their own ability just as Paul said upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. As God hath prospered him. They willingly gave. The question is tonight, are you a willing giver? Are you a willing giver? Some of you are not even a giver. If you don't give, why, that's not, you're not even in the ball game. You're not even playing ball tonight. You're outside selling hot dogs or something. You're not even in the ball court. If you're not a tither, if you're not a giver, why, it's foolish for you even to think about a willing heart. But the question is, if you are a tither, if you are a giver, do you give it willingly? Or each morning, when Sunday morning comes along and you give your offering, why you, 
you have to reach over with the other hand and pull it out and because the one hand doesn't want to turn loose of it. Oh, not, I'm glad that most of our people are not like that. If you're like that, why, you need to be chided once in a while. If you don't give, you are missing a blessing. If you don't give willingly, you say, well, I just got a job, I've just got a wife, I just got a child, I've just got in school, I, I just this, I just that. Well, that doesn't make any difference. You need God's blessings. You need God's blessings, whoever you are. And you will not be blessed if you do not willingly give what you're giving unto the Lord. You see, you're missing. You're missing the key of success. The key of victory. The key of strength. The key of joy. There in verse 9 it says, Then the people rejoiced. They rejoiced. Not only does God love a cheerful giver, but when you give cheerfully, you give willingly, why it does something to you. Got a, you got a smile on your face. You don't look like you've just lost your job when the offering basket passes. Willing giver is the key to your blessings. If you are giving only to get, if you give your tithe just so that you'll keep your job, just so you'll keep in good graces, if you just tithe so that God will not beat the daylights out of you, well, you're missing it completely. You're missing it completely. God wants you to give because you love Him. You want to give. A willing giver. And not only did uh, David was blessed because of his material giving, but his willingly giving. And in verse 14, he gave humbly. He gave humbly. Just like God used Moses after he was humbled. And Moses, when God came to him and said, Moses, deliver my people out of uh, Egypt. And his first question was, Lord, who am I? Who am I? And this is what David said in verse 14. But who am I? And what is my people? that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort, for all things come of thee, and now notice this last statement. Now if this won't touch your heart, I don't know what will. And of thine own have we given thee. Of thine own have we given thee. David, after he brought all of the offering, then he spoke to the, to the Lord in place of all the people. He said, Lord, who are we that we can bring you an offering? But Lord willingly, we come. But he said, he said, for all things come of thee and of thine own. What belongs to you, we are giving to you. I remember years and years ago, 
I, at Christmas time, I would give each of my kids so much money, a certain amount of money, and say, now this, now this is what you have to spend besides whatever your allowance you have saved. You want to buy Christmas presents for your friends and your loved ones and so forth. Why, this is it. I remember one time John. John usually thought up these things. And so came Christmas Day. John came over and he brought me a Christmas card. And I said, well, thanks, John. I said, is this my Christmas gift? It's all he gave me was a Christmas card. He said, well, Dad, you know, he said, you only gave me so much money. And he said, by the time I bought Mom a gift and Deb a gift and Margie a gift and Barbie a gift and the girls a gift, why, all I had money left over was just this card. And so he said, Dad, he said, if you would have given me more money, I would have given you a better gift. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I didn't know what to say. But John was doing it humbly, and uh, he really meant it. He meant, Dad, I would have given you more if you had given it to me. And this is kind of what David was saying. David was saying, Lord, we're only giving to you what you gave to us. We're only giving back to you. Of course, David did not spend it all on somebody else first, like so many times we do. Sometimes we come to church and we only got a peso to give the Lord when our tithe is a hundred pesos or fifty pesos or ten pesos. We've got just a little bit left and we somehow say, well, Lord, if you would have given me more, I would have given you more. But you, you see, the Lord gave us a certain amount, and he expects 10% of that particular amount back, and we should be able to give it humbly. When I give my tithe every Sunday morning, I do not do it with an attitude of pride because I have, no, I have nothing to be proud of. Because all that I am giving to the Lord is His already. It's His already. And so this was an humble giving. The fourth thing is that He gave, He was giving with a right heart. In verse 18, this right heart was a heart that had been prepared. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the hearts of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. Prepare their heart unto thee. You see, if you want to be giving and giving to God and being blessed of God, prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Brother Lai gave that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, whatever it is. It says they gave, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves unto the Lord. This was preparing 
their hearts. And this is the way that God accepts our willing offering, our willing gift, is that we will come prepared, and that means that we would be saved. Saved. God cannot accept the offerings and the gifts given willingly from a heart of one that is lost, one that is rejecting Christ. No, my friend, they must be saved. And today, if you want to be blessed of God, you must be saved. Second of all, you must be upright. In verse 17, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hath pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. In other words, as a child of God, we must be upright. Be right. Be right. God will bless you. Not only should we give with the right heart, but not only does it mean a prepared heart, but it means a perfect, perfect heart. Look, if you would, please, to uh, what he says down here in verse 10 through 13. A perfect heart, in other words, what they thought, what they said about God. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, and this is what he said about God, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from thee. Thou reignest over all, and in thy hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Now that, my friend, will give you, recognize that you have a perfect heart. And now is the time for us to be right with the Lord. Last but not least, David was blessed because there was a full, he fulfilled his giving. In other words, they did it. They did it. They did it. I am amazed how that people can set in a mission conference or they can set in a service and be challenged by God either to give or to go or to do something or to take a responsibility. And they'll come forward and they'll say, Lord, I will do this for you. And we may have an installation time and we may have recognition time. Everybody knows what you promised and what you said you were going to do. You give testimony before the people of what you feel God's will is in your life. You stand and say, this is what I am willing to do. And then two or three weeks later, six weeks, six months later, why you gone, quit, stopped, no longer. How can, how can people do that? 
How is that possible? You say, well, that's just my nature. Well, you've got a bad nature then. You say, well, that's just my character. You've got a weak character. Because here is a, here is, is David. And he's saying, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. And he goes on down and tells all that he believes about God. And when you come to God and you say that you believe in God and this God is your God and this is what you are going to do because this God wants you to do that, and then two, three weeks, two or three months later, or even a couple of years later, that you say, I quit. Why? Did God change? Is God no longer in charge? Is God changing His mind? Does God no longer want you to give with a willing heart? Does God no longer want your service? God, does God no longer want you to serve Him? God no longer wants you to give? My friend, don't hide behind that statement. Well, you know, I believe it's the Lord's will. You be careful with believing what the Lord's will is and get more interested in what are you willing to do. Are you really willing to do what God bids you to do in the Scripture? If you are not, then do not expect God's blessings upon you because these people fulfilled it. They did it. They not only said, I will give, but they gave. The question in verse 5, who then is willing? Who then is willing to concentrate, consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? I ask you as a people, as a people on the whole, that you are members of this church. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day to God? In verse 6 and 7, we find that they gave. In verse 9, they offered. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11, Going back to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, leaving Chronicles now because we're coming to the close of our lesson. We find that here in 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, when Paul came and told them the need of the saints in Jerusalem, they all were willing to give in fact, they had been willing to give a year before. A couple of times they'd made that mention. In verse 11, he said, Now therefore perform the doing of it. Now perform the doing of it. There's a time when you recognize the will of God in your life. There is a time that you consecrate yourself to do what God wants you to do. You find out what God wants. You see in the Bible what God tells us to do. You see all of the things that God tells all of His people to do. Then you see what God wants you in particular to do. And then there is a consecration day. You dedicate yourself to do that. And there's no turning back. 
There's no quitting in the middle unless you are the one that are turning away from God. When you start to do something and then you just arbitrarily quit, you are turning away from the blessings of God. You can say all you want to. You can work as hard as you want to. Why you can try to pick up and go some other direction. But as long as God has called you to do something and you said yes to the Lord, you're in trouble until you get back to that very place where God called just like Jacob. Jacob was not blessed of the Lord until he came back to Bethel. And oh, how many people need to come back to the time of their consecration, the time of their dedication, during the time of study and meditation and prayer and under the Word of God, they knew what God wanted them to do. And they dedicated themselves to do that. And they have not performed it, but they've turned from it. David is saying to us today, who then is willing to consecrate himself today to give a willing offering unto the Lord? And so I trust that today you will perform the doing of it. If you want God's smile upon your life, if you want God's smile upon your family, you want God's smile upon your children, then... If we want what David had in those five things, whether he had long life, satisfaction, his needs were taken care of, he had honor, and he had a son to follow him. In other words, your works will follow you. Then tonight, why not say yes to the Lord? If you're not saved, be saved tonight. If you are a Christian, let Matthew 6.33 find a place in your life once and for all. Once and for all. Shall we stand for prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the Word of God. Thank You for illustrations and examples in the scripture as well as the simple truth tonight you are not willing that anyone in this auditorium would die and go to hell but that every person would be saved if there's someone here today and they are not saved may they come and accept Jesus Christ as their savior they might be saved forever and forever. We that are thy children, may we understand and accept that it is your will that we would do many things, that we would be baptized, become a member of the church that attends regularly, that gives their tithes and offerings, on a regular basis, that they would give testimony and witness to people where they live and where they work, that it is your will for every one of us to separate from the worldly uh, 
sins of this world and the ambitions and be able to put you first. And then, Lord, as you would reach down to burden the hearts of people to sing in the choir and teach Sunday school class and and preach the gospel or whatever our talents might be that you could use us, Lord, when you burden our heart for it, help us to consecrate our service unto thee willingly from our heart. Bless, we pray, this invitation. And if there are people that need to be saved, may they come. And if there are Christians who have in the past consecrated themselves for a service, knowing that it was your will, and today they are far from that, help them to come back. And as they come back to find the stability they need. Father, have your way in every heart and life for Jesus' sake. Amen. What page, Brother Jeff? Let's see page 146. Have thine own way, Lord. 146, please. 146. Have thine own way, Lord, not mine. Page 146. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. We have people here that will take their Bible and help you if you have a need. If you do not have a prayer life, you do not read your Bible daily, if you don't give your offering to the Lord, if you're not regular in the house of the Lord, if, you, if you're not separating from the things of the world, if you have bad habits that seem to enslave you, you have a need tonight. Whatever that need is, why not just come and kneel at an old-fashioned altar and let someone pray with you and surrender it to the Lord. Willing heart. As we sing the first stanza, will you come? Have thine own way. Have a personal relationship with the Lord. Let it be real. God loves you. God wants you to have a personal touch will you come before we sing that next verse so many times people recognize they are lost they need to be saved. And they come and they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And to join the church, they will be baptized. And then they come, some more and some less. But that's it. That's it. That's as far as it goes. There's nothing between them and God Accept their salvation. God saved them and that's it. Now they're a member of the church. They believe what the church believes. They just do what they feel they ought to do in the church. They, they feel some little obligation and tradition takes over. 
but there's no real fellowship, no personal touch, except just in salvation. I mean, God has nothing to do with our day-by-day decisions. We don't ask God about our work, about our courtship, about who we're going to marry. We don't ask God about where will we get our job. We don't ask God about when we're going to work and what we're going to do. We just, our relationship with God is in salvation and that's all. And my, how empty that Christian's life must be. How weak that person must be. If you don't develop a fellowship, a communion, a close relationship with God, and only you can do that. And you do that through reading your Bible and praying. You do that through listening to God and then being sensitive to what He has to say. It isn't just joining the church and then making a name for yourself out in the world and having a good job and being a good giver in the church and and uh, do this and that that is visible. No, to be a good Christian is one that is in the depths of your heart in the lonely hours of the night when you have communion with God. That is what makes you a Christian strong. And today, perhaps many of your empty emptinesses, many of your unfulfilled things in life, I've known of many Christians that have been Christians and members of the church for years and years and years. They attended almost every Sunday. When it came time for their loved ones or for them to die, you could not tell there was any difference between them and the unsaved people. And when there was difficulties that came into their home, they had no idea what to do. They could not understand, why is this happening to me? It is because the only relationship they had between them and God was in salvation. They never developed it into friendship, into communion. And only you can do that. And it comes from a willing heart. Oh, there's more to this matter of willing heart than just being qualified to teach a Sunday school class. If the only reason you tithe is to be able to teach a Sunday school class, you must be very miserable. You must be very miserable. If the only reason you tithe is because you get the preacher off your back, why, you must be miserable. Because God wants all this done because you love him. A willing heart. Sinner, if you're not saved, come and be saved tonight. Christian, if you need to come, come. I'm going to sing one more verse. Will you come? Amen. Personal workers. Radio. How about it tonight? Christian, unsaved person, you have a need. Will you come?
willing heart. thank you for your attention and I trust that the message has been a blessing to you. God's word is good. I don't know what these churches do that don't have the Bible preached, do you? Seems like it'd sure be an empty, empty thing. I'd, I'd sure hate to think that all we had was politics in our church. That would sure be a frustrating situation, wouldn't it? But we have God's word. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Wednesday night we have our teachers' workers' meeting. And so be here. We'll have many different things to say. We've got the children's party on Saturday uh, to line up and take care of and see that it's all in order. And uh, then we've got cantata next Sunday morning. We've got Christmas program next Sunday night. So Wednesday night, we're going to have to put an awful lot of things together. And so you be praying for our trip to the meeting and back. And uh, be praying that the water will be smooth enough that we can go and come. And uh, we've got to graduate five preachers over there. There's seven works now in Lamedin. Praise the Lord for that. In and around Lamedin. And uh, so it is very necessary that we go. And so if we don't happen...